Welcome to the Own Your Choices, Own Your Life podcast. I am your host, Marsha Van Weinsberg. I'm a business coach, speaker, and author of the best-selling book, When She Stopped Asking Why. On this podcast, we will use the tips, tools, and strategies used by myself and our speakers to break through and overcome the challenges in our lives. When we take radical responsibility of our choices, create boundaries, grow our courage and practice self-care and letting go of what isn't ours to control, we can completely change our stories. When we take full ownership of our stories, we take back our personal power and this allows us to impact, serve and support others by showing them that they are not alone and helping them find freedom from their stories. When you own your choices, you truly own your life. Let's dive in. Welcome back to the show today. You are in for a treat. This is an incredible conversation with Kevin Palmieri. We talk all about vulnerability and how it opens doors. Kevin is a speaker and a podcaster and the founder and co-host of Next Level University Podcast. Early in his life, Kevin found success, but after a brush with suicide, he realized he wasn't living a life he truly wanted. He became passionate about self-improvement and decided to make it his purpose in life to impact as many people as possible by becoming a role model podcaster and speaker. Today, he has succeeded to make his podcast one of the top 100 podcasts with over with over a thousand episodes now and listened to in over 120 countries. He has taken his life to the next level and achieved both personal and professional success. This is such a beautiful conversation. And we talk about the power of learning to be brutally honest with yourself, own what is and isn't working and being vulnerable to ask for help or support and receive it when you need it. The meaning of fulfillment, checking in regularly and honoring if your definition of fulfillment is changing, which is more than normal and okay if it does change. And we dive into the power of vulnerability, allowing ourselves to be seen and how vulnerability can drastically change our life when we allow ourselves to be seen. This is such a beautiful and powerful episode, and I know you're going to love it. Welcome to the show today. I am so thrilled to have this conversation with you, Kevin. I appreciate you having me. Again, congrats on over 400 episodes. That is quite a milestone. And uh, as another podcaster, I, I know how hard it is. <laughs> it is not easy, is it? It's, But it's actually, I couldn't imagine not doing it. Like, mm-hmm. I, I honestly couldn't imagine not, not being in this space. Um, and I love everything about it. So can you first tell everyone where you are from? Yes, uh, I am originally from Massachusetts. I was born and raised in a small town called Uxbridge. If you haven't heard of it, I will not be offended. Most people haven't. Um, that, that is where I was born and raised. I spent most of my life in Massachusetts. Now I reside in New Hampshire, which is just a you know one line over from Massachusetts. Oh, amazing. Um, I can't wait to dive into your story. If I can ask you a very Maybe this is not the right question, but how old are you? I am 32 years old until August 8th, and then I'll be 33 years young. Okay. You have, you remind me of my husband, but you have this face that looks so much younger. And I didn't think I I, I could not guess. So <laughs> I, the other reason I'm so excited to have you here is 
we are really, I feel like we're really starting to embark in a space where more men are showing up and sharing stories. I, and I think it's taken time Mm. for that to happen. And I know that still is not always the way that we see it, but God, I just love seeing more men step into this space and share their stories. I appreciate that. So for us, it's interesting, Marsha, because when I started the podcast, I thought I was going to be talking to bodybuilder bros with tattoos. And when I realized that I was talking mostly to women and humans who identify as women, that's when it was like, oh, you know what? Not only do I have the space to be vulnerable, but that'll actually be rewarded. That'll actually help me connect with our community. So in a way, in a big way, I have to give much credit to the community for helping me to be more vulnerable, authentic, and transparent because I feel safe doing it, which I know that's the challenging hump to get over for most people. Very much. It's very much the challenge is feeling that safety. And I know that when we're in a space of being vulnerable vulnerable about our stories, a lot of times in the beginning, we do get it wrong. Like I, I know I was very vulnerable with people that it was not the right connection, not the right place. Yeah. And I had to learn that. And I always go back to like Brene Brown says, like not everybody earns the people have to earn the right to hear your story. Mm. Yeah. 100%. So how long did you podcast for before you decided that, wait, I actually have to, I think I'm here to start to share more of my story. That's it's interesting for me, Marsha, because I started my podcast in 2017 and I did a Facebook live. It wasn't even Facebook live at the, at that point in 2012. And the video I did was basically a podcast episode. And it was me saying, I don't believe you deserve anything you don't work for. Mm. And even at that point, that was kind of like out there to talk about in 2012. There wasn't a lot of people talking about that. And that was like my first podcast episode ever. And me putting myself out there required a level of vulnerability. So I do believe my relationship with vulnerability is a little bit different than most Mm -hmm. because I don't think anybody's going to reach out and say, oh, you dealt with a porn addiction? Like you're the worst, you know, Mm -hmm. because it's like, if you're reaching out saying that to me, you most likely have the same thing I did. So I, I think that's kind of, for me, I have the awareness that if anybody does reach out, and I know you did an episode on this recently, it's more them than it is me. Mm-hmm. And I think I've had somewhat of an awareness since the beginning of that. Now I have gotten pretty horrible messages, which hurt me and made me want to physically fight people. And that's my reaction, but Same. <laughs> yeah. Right. And, and that's my, that's, you know, that's the way that I go naturally, but I think I've always been more vulnerable than many. I don't know why though. Mm-hmm. I'm glad that you have been because I know your story is going to reach people and it deserves to be shared. And so wherever you feel comfortable to dive into, we're just going to start with your story and go from there. Yeah. So I always preface with this because I think this helps people understand where I started. So I was raised in a single parent household. I was raised by my mom and my grandmother. So mom and Mima, as, as I call her, I didn't meet my dad until I was 27. So that's the first time I met my father with the understanding that this man is my father. So we grew up lower middle class, not a lot of money, um, not necessarily a lot of opportunity. We definitely talked often about how we were going to pay rent. And that definitely is something that stuck with me for the rest of my life to this day. But when my friends decided after high school that they were going to go away to college, I didn't know what I wanted to do, Marsha, but I knew I didn't want to go to college. I had no idea what I was going to do in the world, but going to college wasn't it. So 
all of my friends were out living the dream, meeting people, having what seemed like the times of their lives. And I was waking up at five in the morning, driving down to the local gas station and working from six to two. So that was my job. I pumped gas at the local gas station. I did that for a while. And I said, "Eh, I want to get out of here. So I ended up going and I wanted to be a personal trainer. But when I told my boss I was looking for a personal training job, he fired me the next day. So I didn't have I didn't have a job. So one of the things that, and I, this is a through line of my life, is I've been in a lot of situations where I kind of just had to figure it out. So here I am, I don't know, very early 20s, and I just got fired from my job at the gas station. I don't have any money in savings because I'm not making great money and I have to find a job. So I apply at a hospital to be what is called a project person. And a project person strips and waxes floors and does some other things around the hospital. So I end up getting a job working third shift at a hospital, which is just this very interesting, unique experience. And I ended up doing more bathroom cleaning and room cleaning than everything, which was very humbling. And that raised my awareness to a lot of things. After that, I was a personal trainer. I drove a truck. I was a forklift operator. I was in construction. I did many, many different things. But I eventually got this very unique opportunity in the weatherization industry. And all weatherization is is we would go into a big building, usually schools, anything state-owned, and we would make those buildings more energy efficient. That was our job. Maybe we're in the attic of the school. Maybe we're working on the windows or the doors, whatever it may be. That was my job. The beauty of this job was since I worked for the state, I made a lot of money. Mm-hmm. And somebody with no college degree, didn't know what they were going to do in life. I'm in. Where do I sign up? So I get this job where I am making anywhere from 50 to $100 an hour, depending on where I'm working. And if you looked at me, Marsha, when I was 25, you would say, this kid has the dream. He is living the dream. My girlfriend was a model. Uh, I had just done a bodybuilding show. So I was quite literally in the best shape of my life, uh, making good money, sports car, new apartment, all the amazing things that you could want. Mm-hmm. And One day, my girlfriend came to me and we lived in New Hampshire at the time. And she said, Kev, I want to move to California across the country. I want to chase my dreams. I want to, I've always wanted to live there. I want to take a risk. I want to take a chance. Let's do this. And I said, no, 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 no. Here's a list of 50 reasons why this is a terrible idea. Very scarce, very afraid, very terrified of being left behind. That's another through line of my life. Mm And I gave her every reason in the world why we shouldn't do that and why she couldn't do that. Honestly, that's kind of what I was saying. So that was the end of that conversation. She came back to me a couple of weeks later and she said, look, I'm going to go do this and I'm going to leave you. You're not the man that you were in the beginning of this relationship. And I have to live my dreams. I have to try this. I have to see what this is like. And I remember that moment was one of the most challenging moments ever because I'm thinking to myself, I'm being, this is like movie stuff. Like this person is just leaving me. They're going to move across the country. And now I have this nice apartment by myself. I mean, we just moved in together four months earlier. So I didn't anticipate this happening. And I remember just thinking to myself, who is going to love me? I'm, I'm this scarce, depressed, anxious guy. Like who is going to love me? And that was my initial rock bottom. And I lived there for a little bit. Mm-hmm. That's when I started self-improvement. That was my initial dive into self-improvement, personal development, self-help, whatever you want to consider it. And I remember, I remember somehow 
I got to the point where, yes, I was listening to books and yes, I was watching TED Talks, but I was convinced that if I could make more money, all of my problems would go away. I was convinced of it. So every night before I went to bed, I would say these positive affirmations. I am handsome. I'm talented. I'm worthy. I'm intelligent. And this year, I'm going to make the most money I've ever made in my entire life. And I really leaned on that last one. So fast forward to the next year, I get a promotion at the job I'm working at, and I become a foreman. When you become a foreman, you are on the job from the day it starts to the day it ends. So you make more money than anybody else because you're always there. And I was like, yes, this is perfect. This is exactly what I wanted. That year was just such a grind. I, I worked in, so again, I lived in New Hampshire. I worked in New Jersey, which was like six hours away. I think I worked in Virginia that year, which was 14 hours away. And a couple other places, Rhode Island, Connecticut. So we get to the end of that year. And out of the 12 months, I had been on the road for 10. Every single week I was living in hotels. I used to bring my suitcase home pour it into the washer, take it out of the washer, put it in the dryer, and then put it from the dryer right back into my suitcase. And that was what I did to pack and unpack. And I enjoyed it because I was making good money. So it wasn't that bad. But I remember the last pay stub I got for that year, I was reflecting and I was like, wow, I've been on the road. I was on the road almost the entire year. This is wild. And I'm standing at my kitchen table with my final pay stub. My ex-girlfriend took the chairs and I never got new chairs because I was never home. So it didn't matter. And I slid open the pay stub and I made $100,000 at 26 with no college degree. But it was another interesting moment in my life where I realized that I accomplished my goal, just like I did of having a beautiful girlfriend, sports car, dream body. I accomplished my goal, but nothing inside of me changed. Mm -hmm. And I remember thinking, okay, I feel like I've been living my life mostly unconsciously. What's the opposite of unconscious? Hyperconscious. So I did what anybody does. I started a podcast called the Hyperconscious Podcast. And that became my passion project. And, and this will speak to the story too. I think this is an interesting thing. The second guest I ever had was a good friend of mine. And he was suicidal in high school. And he called me the day that he was debating suicide. And he said, hey, will you come to the hospital with me? And I said, yeah, but we're not old enough to drive. So like your mom's going to have to come scoop me. But yeah, I'm good. Like, let's, let's do it. Let's go to the hospital. So we went to the hospital and, and they helped him and he ended up, you know, not taking his life. And I think that was the only time he's ever had that. But episode number two of the podcast was me sitting down with him in my living room in New Hampshire and talking about that day and saying, what was that like? Like, what was that like for you? And did anybody even know? Do you wish anybody knew? Why, why'd you call me? It was a wonderful conversation. It was a wonderful conversation. And I think that was the first time, Marsha, where I really felt like I was actually having an impact on the world. Mm -hmm. My job was good, but I wasn't doing anything. I didn't feel like I was making a change. So I remember after I started having those conversations, I genuinely stopped caring about my job. I used to call out. I would call, I would show up late. I'd leave the job early. It got to the point where I'd have to be six hours away in New Jersey for a 7 a.m. start on Monday. I would go to sleep in Worcester, Massachusetts, where I lived. And I would go to bed at like 9 a.m., 9 p.m. I'd sleep until like 11, 11.30, and I'd get up and drive straight to the job site. And then I'd work an eight-hour day, and then I'd go to the gym afterwards. Because I just... I didn't want to not be home anymore. I was just so burnt out. I was so sick of it. And it kept getting worse and worse and more. 
unaligned and more unaligned. And I felt like the podcast couldn't win. And I was in New Jersey. It was a cold morning. I think it was late fall, probably 5.15, crusty hotel room in New Jersey. Like we were not staying at nice places. And my alarm clock goes off and I wake up and I slide to the edge of the bed. And it was one of those days where it's like, I can't do this today. Like I don't have anything left. I am so tired. I am beyond exhausted. And I remember that there was like 10 televisions on in my head at the same time. And and every single one was on a different station. And looking back now, it was just anxiety, depression, and overwhelm just running in a loop. And one is saying, I know you want to leave this job, but you're stuck here. Mm -hmm. You'll never make $100,000 again doing anything else. Like you got very lucky to get this opportunity. If you do leave, what will your friends think? I mean, you make more money than most of your friends. They all look up to you. What are they going to think? What will your family think? Your family very much looks up to the fact that you make this money. What are they going to think? And the loudest thing for me, Marsha, was do you really think you can be a successful podcaster? And I didn't. I had no idea how to make that happen. And in that moment, I felt like if I was to take my life, I would take my problems with me. That is the that is the feeling I had. I was hopeless. I was helpless. I felt trapped. It was just backed into a corner with no way out. I am very blessed because I have a very supportive community. I have a very small circle, but it is the best people in the world. And I'm so grateful. So I messaged my business partner, the co-founder of my company. And at the time he was my mentor. And I said, Hey, I'm going through it. I don't know. I'm having all these dark thoughts. I don't know what's going on. And he said many things as he does. He's very long-winded and the through line was, Kev, so much of your life has changed over the last couple of years. I mean, your awareness now is through the roof, but your environment hasn't changed that much. I think it's time for you to change your environment. Mm-hmm. Three or four months later, I left my job and I became a very broke entrepreneur for the next three years. That was definitely a challenge. That probably was the hardest part of my entire life, honestly. Mm-hmm. Um but I, I remember being more fulfilled being broken on purpose than I was being wealthy and, and lost. So that was the beginning of the journey. I'm happy to go into any parts of the journey because it didn't, it didn't go from starting the podcast to a thousand episodes and where we are. So I'm happy to touch on any of that, but that is where it all started for me. Yeah. Really going through all of those different triggers and those Mm-hmm. those points of this thing happened and my awareness raised and then hopefully my behavior changed. But yeah, that's, that's me in a nutshell. That's my experience thus far. Wow. Thank you for breaking it down sharing it the way that you did, because it just brought up so many different questions for me. I love how your mentor said like, and how true is this is that you can like your awareness can change. You can go, okay, this is not what I want but then you don't change your environment because you don't want to hurt anyone else. You don't want to leave others behind. You don't want to, you know, destroy expectations or like not live up to that. So that is such an interesting, I just think that's such an interesting question because when I get a chance to talk to anybody who has made massive change in their life, the environment always changes. Yeah. Has to, it has has to. to, it's, it's one of those things for me where, I think it was, it was what he said, but it was also, I was looking for somebody to give me permission to chase my dreams. Mm -hmm. I love my family. My family's unreasonably supportive, but if I told my family, I was going to leave my job to, to pursue podcasting, they would have called me crazy. Mm -hmm. And, and I honestly, statistically, that is crazy. I know. I understand. 
I understand. I remember my grandmother, Mima, she said, I, I quit my job and I told her, I said, I'm done. I'm never, I can't do that anymore. And she's like, what are you going to do? Then I said, I will never punch a time clock for somebody else as long as I live. I won't. And she said, well, what if times get rough? And I said, I'll figure it out. Like I, I'll figure it out. And they did get rough. <laughs> she was correct. They did get rough. But yeah, I, I do believe that I had very supportive people in my corner. And I do, I'm not self-made by any stretch of the imagination. I could not have done this alone. And I do believe that's one of the reasons I am where I am is because I, I try to be vulnerable and humble and ask for help when I need it. And I do believe that has served me at a pretty deep level. And if I didn't ask Alan, Alan's my business partner, if I didn't ask him for help, I wouldn't be where I am. I don't know if I'd be living. So mm-hmm. I think that that's a whole nother level of vulnerability required to ask for help, but it's very important. It's extremely important. I'm glad you asked him and I'm glad he was there in that space. Like he was very much there in that space. And as we, we talked about before we started recording is this space right now, I believe, I don't like the word needs, but needs more men to be able to get up and share their stories, be vulnerable because you're giving so much more permission for Mm -hmm. others. Um, Years ago, I think it was 2018. I heard Lewis house speak at an event And it was actually a women's event. He was the only man in the room. There's like 600 women. And I heard him speak and it just hit me because at that point we were really in the throat, like really coming out the other side of our journey. And I started to share my story more. And I was fortunate enough to like, I actually just went right up to the stage, got to see him first. And I just knew I was meant to. And we had a beautiful conversation and he said, you know, we are leaving boys behind. I, I look, I look at this and I think it's just beautiful that you have 600 women in a room cheering each other on. You're all in this space, you know, you're really coming together and collaborating, but this does not exist openly for men right now. Mm-hmm. So he said the, what I'm asking is that your work is very important because you're opening up and changing lives for your sons, for women who have sons, for, for men in their lives. And so you can do it in an indirect way. And I'm not saying that that's, it's us, but that was such an interesting eye-opening way of saying like, oh, we actually still can all have a major impact on each other. Mm. It's leadership. Mm -hmm. I mean, that's what real leadership is. I think that if you, if you think about it, I do a lot of leadership podcasts. And one of the things we talk about all the time is the best way to lead is lead by example. Mm-hmm. And uh, many of us are taught that vulnerability is weakness, that vulnerability is showing holes in your armor when it's not, no. it's not. We had a, it was a brutal conversation, but so basically Alan, myself, and one of the members of our team, we're, we're talking about a department that, that his name is Brandon, that he's heading up. Mm-hmm. And I literally just started crying on the call. I said, I just feel like I let you down. I feel like I set you up for failure and that's on me. Like I take full ownership for that. And we were all crying. And this is just like a, this is an average Thursday at next level. You like it, it's not people cry all the time on calls with us, Mm -hmm. but that's what I, I I just want to know the truth. I'm okay with that. I'll cry. I'm, you know, I don't, I'm not above crying. I cry on stage all the time. I cried on the podcast when we did our thousandth episode. So Mm -hmm. yeah, I just think it's, I do believe it's understanding that, it's possible for you to be vulnerable. It's possible. And it will be worth it. I think that's a genuine belief that you have to have, that it will be worth it for you to be vulnerable. And I don't know how else you get that other than through the reps and other than through practice. 
Yeah. Oh my God. Through the reps. What a great way to say that. That is exactly the truth is that you learn as you go. Right. Mm -hmm. Because as I said, some of the first times you do it, it's like, Ooh, that's not the right person. Like that is not who I should have been sharing that with. And I learned that the hard way very early when I was sharing with a friend. And I mean, our life was, was insane chaos at that time. And I remember sharing something with her that had happened. And like the next morning I'm hearing that story everywhere. And I'm like, there's no one else I told, like, I didn't tell anyone else this, like, how could you do that? And it was interesting. Cause then of course I was holding on to shame and anger. And like, now the armor goes up way bigger, right? Like now it's like, no one's coming in, which is not the answer. And it's okay. in recognizing like over time, it helped me to realize that how people respond, like I lived in it and I didn't know how to handle it. So how in the world is anyone else going to know what to do with it? So it's really like, there's such a journey that happens as you go through that growth. And I would just love to know if you have a lesson that sticks out for you, that when you look at, you know, you look at the journey and you're like, yep, that, that one hits home. And that has been such a major life lesson for me. Oh man. I think one of the biggest things, one of the hardest things, but also the one that has had the highest reward for me is just being brutally honest with myself, just self-awareness. Um, we have a company and I am the founder. I mean, I, it was me who created this whole thing, quote unquote. And when it was time for us to figure out like, who's going to run this, Alan and I had a conversation and I said, well, you should be CEO, not me. I don't know what the hell I'm doing. Like I'm, I shouldn't be the CEO. I'm not, I'm not a visionary. I didn't go to school. Like you have a master's degree in all this. You're a genius. You should do this. So I think that for me, it's been one of the most empowering things. And I know it's not going to seem like it, but like Alan and I can have open conversations about how he's drastically smarter than I am, mm-hmm. but it doesn't hurt me because I've already admitted that I, for me, it's like, why are we hiding this? Why are we pretending he's not smarter than I am? He is. It's just a fact. And that's now, is he as emotionally intelligent? Maybe not. Maybe that's a different conversation. But for me, the lesson that I have learned that has been unreasonably valuable is you have to be brutally honest about what's real. Because if you're not, not only are you doing yourself a disservice, but you're doing the world, your family, your loved ones, your business, your clients, you're doing a massive disservice. And I think a lot of us hide behind the, we want that wall up. Mm-hmm. you know, of I am this, I am that. When in reality, you're probably better off just admitting what you truly are and leaning into your strengths and then mitigating your weaknesses. So yeah, I would say just for me, the biggest thing has been self-awareness, hyper-consciousness. It's, yeah, it was the name of the first, you know, the podcast where it started, but like that really, that level of self-awareness and then now getting to the point where it's like, why did I say, so, okay, I'll, I'll do this. I feel unreasonably in flow with you because I can sense your energy mm-hmm. and that, but I'm doing that in real time of like, I can, I know I can tell this part of the story because I know Marshall will get questions, but that's just the level of self-awareness that I've been practicing. So it starts very small and it's, it starts very painful for sure, but self-awareness. That's, That's the long and short, the long and short of it. <laughs> no, I, because we can't change anything that we're not aware of. But I also think that like you are saying, you said your business partner's name was Alan, right? Yeah. So, so Alan is very smart in X, Y, and Z, but that doesn't mean you are not 
in other things. Like, I think that's where the level of self-awareness is important. Can we be self-aware and not fall into comparison that like, can we do it in a neutral state as opposed to making it mean something about us that we are not able to do? Yeah. It's such a challenge. It's such a challenge. I think it depends on your level of self-worth. That's, that's where things get interesting because if you think you are, you know, bananas in pajamas and you think you're the best in the world, I think you should go compare to the best in the world. Mm -hmm. Because if you have that level of self-belief, you most likely have that level of self-worth. And, you know, there's obviously levels to that, but it's one of those things where if you don't feel good about yourself, Mm -hmm. I do not want you to compare yourself to me. I don't want you to, because I'm a thousand episodes in, I don't know how many hours of speaking, many, too many, right? So many. I want you to go and listen to our first episode when you're doing your first episode. It's garbage, terrible. So I think that accurate comparison Mm -hmm. is, for me, it's been a positive. And again, my experience is a little bit different. So, but that's what I would say. I think if you can compare to where, because this is our problem, we only see where people are. We don't see where they started and we only see where we are. We don't know where we're going. And eventually those lines have to intersect. So I think you just have to look at where somebody started, not where they are. If you're going to compare, that's what I'll say. I love that. Could you repeat that again one more time? Uh, I don't know. I can try. try. (laughs) That's me. Somebody else like, can you repeat it? I'm like, I don't know what I just said. (laughs) Um, We don't know where somebody started. We can only see where they are. We don't know where we're going. Mm -hmm. We can only see where we are. And I think, yeah, eventually those lines have to, they have to cross. They do. And, you know, even as you say that we, if we fall into comparison with where someone else is at, I think it's safe to say a lot of people don't show the chapters that got them there. They don't like, because they're messy. They don't show that. Um, Or they're so far past it that they forget. To be Mm -hmm. honest, there's a lot of times that a client, somebody will reach out and I'm like, oh my God, I remember feeling like that. Like I've forgotten it. I didn't dismiss it. I just have forgotten. And I thank them for reminding me that that's where the journey started. Yeah. I've, I've had very, very hard, honest conversations with Alan where I said, Alan, I can't forget what it was like. Because if I forget, we're going to lose. We're not going to be able to help people. Right. You don't, you're not a, Alan just hasn't had the normal human experience. Mm-hmm. He just doesn't get it. He's never not believed 10 out of 10. Anything is possible. I can do whatever I want ever. It's, it's wild for me to see. Cause it's helped me so much, but that's amazing because I, I am, I, I feel more aligned with where you're at in a sense, because mm-hmm. I know it's, it's a journey for me yeah. every day. And I feel like some days I'm like, I've got it. And I feel so good and confident. And the next day I'm like, what the hell am I doing? Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. Same, same. I I have those moments. Yeah, for sure. So we did an episode where we talked about creating your personal purpose statement. Like what is your purpose? And mine was very simple to be the most extraordinary version of Kevin possible, but to never forget what it was like not to be. That's it. That's the lens I live my life through. When I go, we went yesterday, my fiance and I, we went to, so I'm getting married uh, in August. Thank you so much. And I went to get my first suit and it was awesome. And afterwards I was like, look, I'm going to get Burger King. I need Burger King. Mm -hmm. And when we left, I said, sometimes I, like when I go through drive-thrus, like sometimes I feel bad. Like I I feel bad for the people working, not because they're intrinsically any less valuable than, than I am, but I think people treat them like they're less valuable than I am. 
I think that's very, I think that's a very accurate statement. Yes. Yeah. And then that becomes their workplace identity, which carries into their life identity. And I said, it's just sad because they don't, when I was working at the hospital, Mm-hmm. I was the peon. I, I remember the doctors and nurses, they were terrible to me. Mm-hmm. And I remember, I remember what that was like. That was an important part in my life because I'm sure I had ego around mm-hmm. that. Like, oh, this person's cleaning this or whatever. Like I've had that experience. I've lived that. So I know, and it's very important to me. I don't know where we, how we got off on that. No, on I think it's an important but- statement though. I love it. And <laughs> I do. I do. I love exactly what you're saying because it, we went from self-worth to there. And I think like what we believe about ourselves determines everything. Sure. It just determines every single thing. Um, it's not as simple as, uh, in my opinion, it's not as simple as like say my affir- affirmations and my self-worth changes. Yeah. It's like, we have to look at some of those stories and change them. And maybe if, if it is something how I tend to look at things, if it is something that I am challenged with on a daily basis, then that makes me all the more human to teach it, learn it, to pass it on, to be the mirror, to show others that, you know, look, we don't have to have this whole thing figured out. Yeah. And that's why vulnerability is so important because the people you look up to, if they make it look seamless, you're not going to believe that you can get there. I have moments every day, every day before podcasts where it's like, can I do, even do this? Can I even do this? I had a I had a podcast pre-call yesterday with somebody who some business school, I don't even know. I didn't go to college. I don't know what that even means. And he's like, Yeah, I think you'd be really good. You're really, really good guest. And I remember I told Taryn, my fiance, I was like, it's so weird. Like, I don't even know what I'm gonna say. I don't even know. Like, this could go horribly wrong. Mm-hmm. It could just go off the rails. But that's I think that's a good sign. I think that's good. That means I'm expanding into something that I'm not currently comfortable in. And I like to share that because I want other people to realize I'm not, I don't have it all put together. I don't, I don't as much as it makes, it might seem like it. And as much as I'd like to look that way at times, I'm sure Mm -hmm. I, that's why I try to go the extra mile and say, yes, I understand. I, maybe it looks like I know what I'm doing, but I don't, I don't, I just do way more than I used to. I love that. I absolutely, I absolutely love it. And I so relate. I had somebody message me not that long ago and say, I went back and listened to one of your first episodes. You have definitely improved. And I'm like, well, I would hope so. Like it's actually, (laughs) there's a lot of hours in it. And they said, they actually did say based on, um, and I guess this is another part of the question, but um, based on the fact that you still leave that out there, like, aren't you embarrassed (laughs) by your early work? And I'm like, wow, like, it's amazing that that's the leap that you took. I leave it there as a permission that like just start. So I just, I was just thinking of that as you were sharing. Um, I get the impression that you're very like, here's my journey. This is, this is what it's been like. And Anybody can do it, but you can't start in a space where I wish I was so comfortable with my voice. I wish I could speak like you do. Well, just start, yeah. like just start, just start yeah. and don't make it mean anything. Yeah. I, this is the, the interesting thing is I tell people this all the time. It's a joke, but it's kind of serious. Nobody's going to listen in the beginning anyway. So it's almost like you're just getting it out there and you're getting your practice. And even to your point, no, like, will people go back? eventually we will cross a chasm and we'll be big enough for it. When I say, go listen to episode one, people actually will. That yep. will happen eventually. Yep. But until then, I'm watching it more than other people. I go back all the time. I have this practice and I don't know, it's interesting, but when I'm either very emotionally high or very emotionally low, I look back. 
And I think like we used to podcast in Alan's sister's old bedroom. That's mm-hmm. where we started. And then we moved to Alan's mother's basement. And then we had a custom podcast studio like that we built. It was awesome. But that all started with us just trying to figure it out in the beginning. And I always look back to old episodes to see how far we've come because that is the unique perspective you have if you're a, a coach or a content creator, or a podcaster, speaker, Marsha, you can look back 399 episodes and say, wow, wow, I have come a long way. And I think it's super important to get perspective. We forget the law yeah. of familiarity creeps in. I think I'm the man. And then I look back and it's like, oh yeah, no, you were really bad here. And you can't even listen to the whole episode. And it's good. It's very good to get that perspective. It's all good. It's all good. I love this conversation. Um, I want to ask you something tying back to your story earlier. And I think this is, this is something that I've always found fascinating and love to dive in more um, is the word fulfillment. Mm. And, you know, it's funny because a lot of us will set a money goal. We'll set a goal of what we want to achieve by this date, what it looks like. And so I'm actually not a huge goal person because, because of that, I'm more about the intentions. And if I do the things every day, I'm going in that direction anyway. So that's how my brain sorts through it. But the fulfillment piece, I always think back to it's, it's has stuck with me forever. When I heard Tony Robbins speak about you know, how many people that come to a space of taking their life, they, some people might have everything that you might look in the, you might look in and think like they have everything. What is it? And he used Robin Williams as an example Mm -hmm. in the sense that it, it, fulfillment is internal. Like fulfillment is internal. You can have everything that you say you wanted, but maybe they were never your measures for success. Maybe they were someone else's. So I just would love to hear your take on the word fulfillment and how the the definition has changed for you over the years. Yeah. I, Alan and I talked about it in the beginning of this journey and I was like, I don't even know what that means. Mm -hmm. What are you talking about? Fulfillment. I don't even know what that means. So that was where it started for me. I didn't even know what it meant. I didn't know that it was important. I didn't know that it was valuable. I didn't know that it was something I could have. Then I think that evolved to podcasting equals fulfillment. And that was like the early stages. Mm-hmm. And now I think it's, I think fulfillment is being in alignment with what you're meant to do. I, some of my most fulfilling days are the hardest ones, right? Like we record seven episodes on Monday. On Monday, we record seven episodes. And at the end of the day, I am fried. But lot. it's always like, hell yes, that was it. That was it. Like that is what that's, that is what this is about. Now, obviously I need R&R, but I think it's, yeah, I think it's being directly aligned with what you're supposed to be doing. And I think that what the caveat to that is, I think that also requires you to do all of the inner work to figure out what exactly you're supposed to be doing. It's like even Robin Williams, for example, maybe he was one of the best actors and comedians in the world. Doesn't mean that's what he was supposed to be doing. Mm-hmm. really. I mean, it's not necessarily. So I think that part of it is like, you have to do all of the inner work. One of the things that I always look out for, and Taryn and I were watching a movie recently, we were watching Disturbia with Shia LaBeouf. Mm-hmm. And I remember what I haven't seen that. Eh, it's okay. It's like kind of a, it's, it's a thriller. It's kind of a horror movie, but I remember I said to Taryn, I said, it's so interesting. Shia LaBeouf is like a world-class actor. And then we started talking about how he's had some mistakes in, in the world. And I said, well, it's interesting. You got to think he's been a, he's been an actor since he was like 10. 
He never had time to do the inner work and figure out who he was as a human being. We look at people like Macaulay Culkin and Home Alone. A lot of these young actors, actresses, musicians, Justin Bieber, Mm -hmm. I think what happens is you get to a level that your character cannot sustain because you haven't had the opportunity to work on your inner self. So I'm willing to bet that those parts of their journeys probably weren't super fulfilling either because- how do you feel on purpose if you don't know who you are as a human being? So that, yeah, that's fulfillment is being in alignment with what you're meant to be doing. But the only way to do that is to figure out who you actually are as a human being. That's, I love that definition. And I just, it, it speaks to me when you think of like the child actors and musicians and who started from a young age. And I also think that, that I, well, I know like fulfillment changes as we yeah. like what even as we go in a good direction and good growth, like what is important to me is not the same thing that was important last year. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And it won't be next year. No, nope. And it won't be next year either. It won't so be next year. now there's room for growth and change. So tell us about what next level university podcast is like, what do you, what do you do? What do you offer? Oh man. Uh, so our through line is heart driven but no BS, holistic self-improvement for dream chasers. Heart-driven, I love you and I care about you and intrinsically, I believe you're valuable as a human being. No BS, I will not lie to you. I will not tell you it will be easy and I'm not gonna tell you there's, you know, do these three tricks and you'll be a millionaire overnight. That's just not what we believe in. So that is our through line. The podcast is us trying to add value to our listeners' lives every single day through the lens of, where are you? Where are you trying to go? Where have you been? And what can we say that will add value to your current circumstances, your current awareness? I mean, that really, it's about value for us. It's about value. And then even when you get into the business side of things, and I said this earlier to somebody else, I said, you got to understand when we started the podcast, number one, money was not even a thought to a detriment, to a detriment, money was not a thought. When we started creating products and services, we didn't say how much money do we want to make? We said, how many people do we want to impact? And I know that's cliche and a lot of people say that, but we don't do seven episodes a week because I want to. We, if there was eight days a week, we would do eight. We would just do one, however many days a week there are, that's how many we're going to do. And even when you get into like the products and services, when we created a, a free course. We were like, we don't have anything that's free that we can put on the website. Let's create a free course. It wasn't, um, what's the easiest thing we can do? It was, what's the most valuable thing we can do? So we recorded 12 hours on a Sunday, Alan and I, and we packaged it into an hour and 30 minute, an hour and 40 minute video course with worksheets and cutscenes, And it's a lot. I mean, it's a lot of content, but it's free. So our, our goal was to say, look, it's free. This will help you. So our thought is no matter where you are in your journey, we have somewhere in the business. If you are at the point in your life where you cannot afford to invest in self-improvement, seven episodes a week, every single day in your pocket for free listen to the podcast. Awesome. If you want a coach, we have one-on-one, we have group, there's a lot of other things, but the goal is no matter where you are, we have somewhere that you will fit and somewhere that you belong. And we don't ever want your money if you can't afford to, to give it to us. That's, that's, I had somebody that messaged me that the other day. They, um, they missed one of our invoices or a couple of our invoices. And I messaged her and I said, Hey, just a friendly reminder. Um, these are, these are just outstanding. And she said, oh my goodness, I can't believe I did this. Like, just charge me for both right now. And I said, can you afford both right now? And she said, well, I, yeah, I can make it work. And I said, no, let me just split it up. Like, I'm, you're good. I'm not mad at you. 
I just, if I don't ping you, I'll forget. And I'm in charge of the money. So I said, you're good. Like nothing's going to change. And you know, this person paid half and they're going to pay half later. But I think that's what business is. Business. A lot of people think business is about making money. Business is about making change. If your business, the only point of it is to make money, you're probably not going to be in business for very long because you're not going to do things for the right reason. I, I love everything that you said there. And I, I could not agree more. I also think like when, as the customer, you can feel when somebody actually like they care or mm-hmm. they're in this space and they're like, you can feel it. And I'm sure you've seen it, but I really feel like there's this shift happening with the coaching industry. There's a lot of people making a lot of money. I have no problem with money. I have nothing with that, but I still think like we, can we also not just show every single dollar that we're making every month? And can we actually show like, what are our clients doing? What changes are they having? Like what's changing in their lives? And maybe that's just a different value thing for me is I want to know that it's changing clients' lives. Yeah. Yeah. I think the biggest thing with that is that's not what it is. Right. But it's like consumers don't necessarily buy on that. Mm -mm. I told people that all the time. Like if I pull up in a Ferrari, maybe not you, Marsha, but you're going to value me more. Mm-hmm. You're going to be like, that podcast must really be something. It, you know, if I pull up on a bicycle and go ding, 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 when I pull up, you might say like, that podcast can't be that valuable. It's just human beings rely a lot on social cues and people who know the social cues oftentimes know how to take advantage of them. Mm-hmm. That's where things really get weird is, you know, taking pictures in front of jets and all that stuff. That's where things really get, I don't like that. I don't like that. Yeah. I'm very much against that. It just doesn't speak to me. And I always look at it and go, there's going to be a market that it speaks to. That's going to happen. Like it is going to happen. Um, so definitely all, we all have different definitions and it's all good. Um, can I ask, like, do you find your message reaches people of a wide age bracket or is there a certain age bracket that your message hits more? Because here I am. Part of me is hoping it's really hitting some young males too. Mm. Yeah, I would say it tends to be young. Mm-hmm. It tends to be young. I think that oftentimes when the older demographic finds us, they say, oh, wow, these, these guys are young and they have wisdom. So I think they connect with that. But I think it's, I mean, we're young, young men who have relationships and we're trying to like figure this life thing out and I think a lot of our demographic is younger. It's mostly women though, for us. Mm-hmm. For us, it's mostly, it's mostly women and humans who identify as women. Mm-hmm. And I think one of the reasons, and this is my, my take, the men that we attract are the most humble human beings in the world. Mm-hmm. The men that we push away are the ones who have egos because, and I don't mean this with ego, but like when you get around somebody who's centered and actually confident, it's hard for people who aren't, Mm -hmm. but when you're humble enough, we had somebody that we were debating bringing on the team. And I said, what is like, what are your strengths? And he's like, I don't really have any strengths. Like, I don't feel like I'm that smart, but he said, I'll work really hard and I'll learn. It's like, cool. You're you're, there's always a spot for you. You're good. Versus we've had other people say like, Oh, I've done this. I've done this. I should be running this department. I should be doing this. It's like, you go do you, we're going to, we're yeah. going to move on. Yeah. The people that we attract are usually people who are very, very humble. And the through line is usually low self-worth. That's what we've seen because that's what I had. Mm-hmm. And that's what Alan had in the beginning. We both had very low self-worth. And I think you attract what you are, not what you want to attract usually. Always. 
always. And I think that I have to believe that it's, it can be that self-worth line of where you're at and, but, and also knowing that you're meant for more, knowing that you have a heart of service, right? Cause not everybody has a heart of service and that's okay too. But we talked about this in the beginning and I love how you shared with me before we started recording, why it's so important for you to share your story, why it's so important for you to be real about your journey with others. Yeah. I mean, two, two reasons. One, I can't go to sleep at night if I, if I'm inauthentic, I, that is just who I am. I'd rather look like an idiot than look really good and lie about it. Yep. I just, I can't, I can't. Um, the second part, and there's a couple layers to this. So number one, I don't ever want anybody to get to the point where I got to, I I feel like I have, it's to me, it's a scar now, or I can share that openly. I'm excited to share it. And there's no part of me that's like, I hope Marsha doesn't ask me that. That's what I'm here for. Mm -hmm. You know, if we don't get asked that, I'll I'll probably bring it up anyway, because I think it's valuable. So I have, I feel like I have a responsibility now to say, look, I've been here and this is my experience. We all have our own unique experiences, um, but you're not alone. That's the goal is you're not alone. You don't have to do anything I said. You don't have to make any decisions based on what I've said, but you're not alone in the way that you're feeling. And there's many other people out there who have felt it. And then the second layer of that, Marsha, Alan and I were both raised in single parent households. Mm -hmm. So Alan's father passed away in a car accident when he was two. I didn't meet my dad till I was 27. We both have a firm belief that if self-improvement, if being holistic, if vulnerability and lack of ego was in our lives or in our family's lives earlier, our lives would have been wildly different. So that's one of the other beliefs is I believe self-improvement is the key to so much. Like hurt people, hurt people. Mm -hmm. They do. Fulfilled, aligned growth and contribution based humans don't usually like that's not how it works. Mm-hmm. And that comes from you developing self. So I think the more developed you become as a human being, not only are you more capable, but I think the more fulfilled you'll ultimately be. So there's a lot of layers to it, but yeah, Alan and I, I think our lives would have been drastically different if, if we had self-improvement and personal development. Mm-hmm. That is beautiful. Can I ask how you guys connected? Oh yeah, no, this is a great story. So <laughs> We went to middle school together. Mm-hmm. I was good friends with Alan. We we were like the bowl cut crew. The bowl cut was really yeah. big when we were in yeah. middle school. Yep. Yeah. And I actually, one of the first kisses I ever got, I played spin the bottle in Alan's basement with all the popular kids, which was mm-hmm. cool. I don't know if they sent the wrong invite, but I got it. <laughs> then we went to high school together. And in high school, Alan was very smart and very confident. Mm-hmm. I was, I didn't feel smart and I was very insecure. So Alan and I were not friends in high school. I did not like Alan. Alan did not like me very much. Like yet that it was pretty bad. Eventually it got to the point where Alan and I had some mutual friends and I got invited to this giant party and it was at Alan's neighbor's house. Alan lived in a, a pond and I remember seeing Alan there. And Alan was like, he was into fitness. He had a beautiful girlfriend. He was, he was an entrepreneur and him and I reconnected. And I ended up having him as the first guest on my podcast because he actually interviewed me on his. And that's when I really learned more about podcasting. And then it got to the point where after I left my job, we just decided we're going to do this together. Mm-hmm. So we just formed a, formed a business and Alan and I have worked basically every single day 
together since then for the last four and a half years. Every single day, Alan and I are talking about figuring out, you know, what is the level of awareness we're missing? What is a good leadership thing that we're not doing? Every single day, it's about getting better. To, like where I never expected my life to be this way. It's, it's a lot. It's a lot. That is so impressive. Honestly, thank you for sharing that because it's also a reminder that I always, I say this and I remind myself because there were times when life was very isolating. It was very, very much alone. Um, through our journey and our story, it was almost like we had a plague, like nobody wanted to come near us because Mm -hmm. it was just scary. And I've had many people say like, you are, you have so many people who surround you. I wish I had that. I'm like, it it wasn't that, that was not the case. Like even five, six years ago, you have to go first. That's that piece of vulnerability is you have to allow yourselves to be seen. Because when I sit and look at the people that I am so blessed to surround myself with, the people that I could reach out in a message and say, I'm struggling with something. Could you, do you have a minute? And it's, that wouldn't be the case if I didn't allow myself to be seen. So the reason I say that is that when it gets scary, sometimes I stop literally my inventory question is who is in my life today that was not here or who is in my life today because of vulnerability, which is like 99% of the people. And that's always a reminder. Yeah. That is a great question too. I mean, if you, if you were thinking about, okay, I'm going to create a human being who has the best human experience. And again, these are all in air quotes, but one of the things you would think, and this is one of the things I try to say all the time, if you want to attract your people, you have to be yourself. You do. So if you're thinking of, well, how would I reverse engineer that? You would have to be vulnerable. If you want to have vulnerable people, you got to be vulnerable. Mm-hmm. And I, this, this is another thing too. And this has come from many years of, uh, I don't want to say traumas, just difficult experiences. The level of your relationships, and this is just my opinion, the level of your relationships is directly correlated to the level of vulnerability in them. Mm-hmm. I believe that at such a deep level, I think our most successful relationships are the ones where we can be the most authentic. And when you're authentic, you're being vulnerable, you're being you. So that's a whole nother thing. And that's another important piece is if you can't be yourself around your people, you know, maybe it's time to a couple, either build the courage to be more yourself or check in on the fact, are those people going to allow you to be yourself? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And that, and it's okay to want more depth. It's okay to want more connection, right? Mm-hmm. Like it's, if that's something that speaks to you and you crave that hundred mm-hmm. percent, that is more, more than good. So please, if you're listening to both of us right now, like, like pursue what you feel called to pursue, follow what you feel called to follow. And just like, keep, just follow that with full fierceness because it makes such a big difference and find your people. And find your, find they're your, there. People. They're, there. they're there and they can be from like, I can tell you right now, some of the people in my life, I've not yet met in person. Yeah. Same. Like I, we've never met in person. And there was somebody, um, I think it was two weeks ago. We met for the first time in person three years we've been, and it was almost very strange. I'm like, you're real. Like <laughs> it just felt so strange. <laughs> it's definitely a unique part of the journey. We, um, we did a live event in Florida a couple of years ago. And that's, I met, I don't know, four or five people that are either now on the team or they were on the team that I had never met in person. And for me, it's weird. Cause I don't even think about it. It's like, I've talked, if I met you tomorrow, I would just assume I know you. Cause I, I see you now, mm-hmm. but it, yeah, it's that weird thing of like, yeah, you're a real, you're a real human being. And now everything we've talked about has somehow gotten more valuable 
mm-hmm. and more contextual because now it's actually real. This is very interesting. I love the depth. I love the depth. Like this is just, I love this conversation. Um, I want to make sure um, where people can connect and follow and find you. Obviously the podcast. Yeah, yeah the podcast, away. the podcast is the, the best place. I always send people there. I don't, I don't want, don't give me your money. Like listen to the podcast. I always, that's where I want people to go. Uh, if you want to follow me on Instagram, that's probably the best place for social media. I have Facebook and LinkedIn as well, but on Instagram, I am at never quit kid, Facebook and LinkedIn, Kevin Palmieri. And I am happy to answer any questions you have about whatever podcasting or the story or any questions. I'm, mm-hmm. I'm always there. I do my own social media and my goal is to do it forever, but I don't know. I mean, in the future, I'm sure it'll be very challenging. It already is, but that's the goal. I love that. I love it. Well, I've absolutely love this conversation, this connection. Um, I, I respect and honor the work that you're doing and how you're showing up because I know, I know with full certainty that it's making a massive difference. I can feel it and I can see it. And I'm just grateful that our paths have connected. I have one more question for you. What lesson in life are you most grateful for? What lesson am I? Um, There's usually two options, the easy one and the right one. And every time I have taken the easy one, it has usually come back to bite me in the butt. And most of the times when I have done the harder yet more challenging one, I have gotten breakthroughs, fulfillment. Yeah, that's, that's a, do you, have you ever watched Parks and Rec? You ever watched Parks and Recreation? I'm pretty sure that is a lesson I got from that show that I started taking into my life and that was very impactful for me. Yeah, that's yeah, you're definitely speaking to me right now because I'm kind of sitting right in between of making a decision. I, I can know tell when I said it. Easy, yeah, I know my eyes just went like <laughs> oh. I know which one's the easy one and I know which one is the challenging one. And um I heard a quote a number of years ago that the um like the depth of your relationships, the the fulfillment that you're feeling in your relationships has a lot to do with the amount of difficult conversations you're allowing yourself mm-hmm. to have. Yep. And that is always like that, that quote has always hit me really, really strongly. And, you know, sometimes we have those difficult conversations, those difficult um, or even difficult opportunities. Like sometimes there's opportunities that are like, Ooh, that one's easier, but that one is, I have a feeling that that one is going to be something and I'm feeling called to it, but it feels big and scary. Yeah. And somebody said to me yesterday that I interviewed on the podcast that really hit. And she's like, you just changed the definition of, um, easy. Like it's, it's, you think the one is easier than the other, but what if this one's actually, far easier than you ever expected mm-hmm. and the right people show up all of the things like I, like I, just like you, I'm assuming you look at where you're at now. And as your show continues to grow, like the right people keep showing up. Yeah. Yeah. And I mean, yeah, but it's also one of those things for us. It's like saying no, has just been way more, mm-hmm. way more important and way more impactful than mm-hmm. I ever realized. I didn't realize that it would be saying no, that was the valuable part. You know, and we're weird though. Like we're very, we just stay in our lane and do our thing. You know, no, it's not weird. It's not weird <laughs> because I do like, listen, I'm, we don't, you can't say you're going to get a lot of different opportunities. And as you're for anybody listening, as your business continues to grow and evolve, you're going to get opportunities that might be really shiny at times, yeah. and oh, it's yeah. like, but that's not my lane. And I don't think that's exactly what I'm here to do. Yeah. And some people will think, but that's crazy. You're going to pass that up. And it's like, but it's not, it doesn't fit. 
Yeah. I had a, I, I, I like to do this because this is part of me being transparent and vulnerable. Somebody sent me an email mm-hmm. and they said, Hey, and I'm sure you've gotten these. And if maybe if you're out there watching or listening, you've gotten these, Hey, Kev, we'd like to feature you in blank magazine for the top coaches of 2022, all you have to do is pay us $750. Yeah. And it's like, I'm good. I, I'm not interested. I've had people that I know that have done it. Like, that's cool. It looks really cool to do it, but it doesn't mean anything. And it yeah. doesn't work. And it's not going to help me impact anybody. It's just going to make me look good. Mm-hmm. Not, not interested. Not interested in that. But there's a lot of that. There's a, there's a lot of shiny objects for sure. For sure. Mm-hmm. But it's this weird thing where if you get into something for the shiny objects, you almost don't ever get the shiny objects where if you get into it for something else, then you kind of do get the shiny objects because you make it way further than you would have if you were just doing it for the shiny objects. Does that make sense? Oh, I totally followed that. <laughs> I, I love, I love that. And back to that almost ties it back to the very beginning that, you know, what you think you want and what you put as that benchmark, right? Money in the beginning. And it actually was not the benchmark, but we have to do that in order to see this is not it. Actually, this is not it. And that's okay. Yeah. Yeah. Everybody, the, the quote is, um, money doesn't buy happiness, but everybody wants to find out for themselves. And I think that's very much what I did. And that's the point of somebody's story is to take it and say, does that resonate with me? Does that impact me in any way? Is that, am I living any parallels? Oh, okay. Maybe I'll make a new distinction or have a new piece of awareness based on that. And then you can make a different decision. But I think we all have to figure out one of the best ways to figure out what success is to you is to find success and realize it's not mm-hmm. right. Just hopefully it's not on a massive scale mm-hmm. where things are, you know, really bad. Yeah. Yeah. No, I completely understand. And honestly have loved, absolutely love this conversation. Likewise. Likewise. Yeah. This truly was wonderful. I, I would do this every day if my voice would allow it. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I'm sure we will connect again. Thank you so much, Kevin. Honestly, this has been great. Likewise. I appreciate you. You're doing wonderful things and uh, I appreciate this time with you. Thank you so much for tuning in to the Own Your Choices, Own Your Life podcast. If you love this episode, please submit a rating and review on iTunes and please share it with someone you think could benefit from hearing this message or this podcast. I love connecting and meeting you. So please screenshot the episode and tag me on social media or Instagram stories at Marsha Van W. And until next time, remember when you own your choices, you truly own your life.